You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Pacers fans, we are back from a hiatus as I had a big fundraiser this weekend and Adam was traveling, but we are both back here. As always, I am Tony East with the West Example Community News and Adam from Indy Cornrows, my co-host Adam Breeden is on the other line. Adam, how was Miami? It was nice. Hot as always in Florida this time of year. Um, trying to think of anything cool. I mean, I just kind of hung out there for the weekend. It was kind of nice. I've never been there. That's I'm jealous. Yeah, I mean, I figured I'm two hours from there. Um, figured I just go spend a weekend out there. Why not? It was yeah, kind of fun. It's a fun city. Nice little beach town. So the Pacers are done with summer league. Uh, we were going to do the last game as an episode, but then Leaf and Aaron Holiday didn't play because they were injured. I did air quotes. Um, but they just held guys out because it's a meaningless summer league game. They beat the Nets by like 40. That was it. There's really nothing to talk about. Um, but one guy who did play well in that game and forced segue here, uh, Elise Johnston did a great job. And today he just earned his NBA deal, which somehow two and a half hours later, we still don't know the details. So sorry, we can't really dissect it, but, uh, I'm glad he's well, on the don't NBA we, roster. Don't we kind of details? Like, isn't it, aren't they? The first year's Caps. fully guaranteed. Oh, yeah. you mean guarantee wise? I mean, like, isn't he? Aren't they cap strong? Where they can offer him a two year deal, basically? Well, yeah, it's a it's a one or two year deal, and it's a minimum deal. We know a lot of it, but we don't know what the second year is. The guarantee, yeah, stuff that only I care about. <laughs> no, no, I mean it's important. I'm saying like the general structure. We know it's two years, which is kind of important. Um, yeah, we know the it's first probably similar to EK's deal. The first year, like, yeah, I agree. I agree. I bet it is. Which, oh my gosh. Uh, EK's deal fully guaranteed yesterday, so he's on the team for sure too. Yeah, um, we get we we got, we got a question about that, so we can talk about that later. Well, uh, and the other thing, which is super minor, um, Elijah Stewart from USC, kind of a three and D guy, four year starter for them. Uh, he got an Exhibit Ten deal with the Pacers, which just means it's a, basically a non guaranteed one year minimum deal that the team can convert to a two way at no charge to them. Uh, and then they can convert it back to an NBA deal if they want, uh, or they can waive him at no cost. So basically, he got a training camp <laughs> invite, um, but it's a really team friendly deal. So there's the first training camp invite of many. Um, but Adam, it's mailbag time, isn't it? Yes, it was Stewart. Just real quick, it seemed like he was. That was what they planned to do from the start when they signed him. It was the, basically for for a G League spot, probably two way contract. Would yeah, be my guess. May, I mean, I would also think that uh, there's 15 days left this month, and then. So after 60 days, he starts getting bonuses. So that would be uh, mid-September, middle of the training camp, basically. So uh, we'll see how that ends up rolling out for him. That'll be that'll yeah. be interesting. I think a lot of those exhibit tens will get signed in closer to the end of the month for most teams. Uh, yeah, let's get to the, to, to the mailbag. Yes, let's just start the the fun part. Uh, yeah. So we're gonna do we're gonna do Nick first because he beat you guys by about a week on his questions, and he had three, so he gets first priority by a lot. Uh, he is at NDP underscore sports. Uh, his first question is, is there any chance the Pacers can make a trade for Kevin Love? Uh, we've talked about this before, but Adam, uh, I'm going to go with now that the roster's filled out, the chance is pretty close to zero. Yeah, it might be a February deal. It's the only yes, thing I can see. That makes a lot but more right now, it's, pro- it's probably not happening. The time passed for Cleveland to tank all out, but they could, you know, to trade everything and go to complete full tank mode, but they could trade him in February because he's got, like you said, he has an opt-out date at the end of the year. Um, it's probably 50-50 right now whether he takes it or not just because it's like $25 million. But he still relatively young could probably get back in the market and get a two- or three-year deal at maybe 50 or 60 depending on what he plays. So I, I think, think the best chance it happens sorry. is the Pacers are like first or second in the East in February and the Cavs are like 12th. Yeah. I mean, get assets and tank. I, I would say even if the Cavs are sitting somewhere like the eighth to tenth best team in the, or worst team in the league, but just far enough out where they can't make the playoffs, but they could end up because their pick is top ten. 10, to 10 yeah, yeah, that's a good point. They want to end up under that top ten if they're not going to make the playoffs. I mean, I think, I think Gilbert, the owner there, has some reason they make the playoffs. That LeBron show post LeBron, whatever, and maybe Kevin Love is actually really good because he hasn't really had a chance to kind of be on his own team since he left Minnesota, but. Most likely they'll be at the seven, eight, if not worse, range in the East, and that's probably when they'll start dumping him because he probably opt out, and they'll get as much back they can from as possible. I agree, I agree. But that's a, we'll we'll circle back to that question at a later date. But that's a good starting point. The second question he had was: Should the Pacers be in the conversation for best team in the East? I'm personally Celtics are the best, uh, and it's not really a conversation. But uh, I'm up for debate if you think otherwise. Um, 
I think the Celtics are some question marks. I mean, I think every team in the East that thinks they're the best teams are probably six, right? Bucks, Wizards, Pacers, um, Raptors, Sixers, and Boston all think they could be the best team in the East next year, probably. And I think all of them have so yeah. many different question marks that, you know, the Pacers aren't the favorite to be the best team, but they certainly could be in, in one of the scenarios where yeah. some injuries don't pan out, signings don't pan out or pan out positive another way, you know, there's that. Yeah. I think there's a chance to end up with the number one seed, but I don't think they're the best team in the East, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, on paper, they're they're not. They have they don't really have a second best player. You know, most of the top, yeah. like both Philly and Boston have a top two, if not top three, who are really solid. Um, you know, even the Wizards have a top two and the Raptors have a top two, but they are this year going to be deeper than they were last year. So there's there's a chance. I mean, I I don't know how much I would bet on them being the number one seed, the best in the East, but I would bet on them being probably a top three or four seed easily. I agree with that. I definitely so, agree with that. I think they're on the top tier of the East. That's, that's yeah, and, and they're probably the team that is, you know, a Kyrie injury or a Hayward again injury from competing in the, for the Eastern Conference Championship. I agree. Uh, this third and final question was, do you think Miles Turner could be the most improved player next season? Why or why not? Uh, I think that depends on how much they alter his role from last season. If it's the same, no chance he wins most improved player. If they change it and give him a few more touches, then maybe, yeah. That's exactly what I wrote, too. Um, or I had thinking that if he gets nine shots a game again, it's not going to matter. He cannot win most improved player. He won't score enough points. No matter how good his defense becomes, he'll never win most improved if they don't give him more touches. Yeah, so where does those shots come from, you think? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know. Um, but I have a stat here for you. If okay. You're ready. I'm ready. Uh, I forget who tweeted this. It's someone I like, but it's Miles Turner attempted 12 or more shots 21 times last season. And in those games, he averaged 19 points per game on 47% shooting from deep and 52% overall. So clearly he does very well when he's involved in the offense. Yeah. I think the obvious answer is the shots come from Thad. If you look at I the, think so too. If, you, if you look at a stat sheet of all the Patriots Google attempts, I mean, the glaring ones of too many shots taken. And really, Thad is not too many shots. It's maybe just the way the offense is set up, the way he's the leader of the team shoots a lot is Thad and Lance. You kind of assume Lance's shots will all go to Tyreek Evans. Ultimately, maybe a little bit split between him and McDermott. That's kind of you assume. So then really the only place for people to, to shots to drop down is the 10 that's a bonus average, or the 10 that Thad Young averaged and the 10 that Bowie on average. You get those to like eight. So those guys at eight. Then maybe you can add four shots to turn and get them to 14, which is about where you were talking about. Yep, I'm with you there. Uh, and, and again, getting most improved too. Like more of them will have to fall. But like I just said, I think he's more in rhythm when more shots come. So I think it's possible, but I don't I don't know if that I would say it. I expect that role change. So I don't know. Yeah, I think most improved player has to average like 25 points usually. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, if you look, guy who look just at. blows up in scoring, you know, McCollum, Giannis, Vic. Yeah, I mean, unless Turner becomes like defensive player of the year level, which, but I, don't, I mean, I don't know if that's enough of a gaudy stat where people would vote most improved player. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. In all like, uh, if I had to pick a clubhouse leader in my head right now for next year, I'd pick D'Angelo Russell. Okay, that's a good one. That's will probably score a ton. Now that, Jeremy, now that Jeremy Lin's gone, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know. You just Most people you don't know until you see the first couple months of the season. Because yep. you don't know who's going to make the jump. You're right, you're right. You just don't. You, I mean, you can guess. But, I mean, nobody would have guessed what would make the jump he made. Right. I guess some people were kind of guessing it. but That's true. But That is I mean, true. As long as Oladipo's on the roster, though, he's taking 18 to 20 at the game, and that's going to not allow Turner to get to the 20-point mark, yeah, probably. I agree. Um, but let's move on to the next question. And another person for the first time of the show, uh, Blaine Beats at Blaine, B-L-A-N-E 44, says, is there a high ceiling for Elise Johnson after his summer league play? Um, okay, so my answer to that, not Elise-related, but, I mean, Joe Young was amazing in summer league one year, like – it's really hard to to extrapolate summer league play into a good player. Um, you have to see it on an NBA court. So obviously, there's a better chance because he was good in summer league, but we don't know a ton about him yet. Yeah, um, we got like five of these. I think about Elise summer yeah. league. It does not matter in relative to an NBA career. It just it, doesn't. Yeah, there's it, no, no correlation. No, it matters in that in that. You know, the skills you show in summer league are the skills you're going to show in the NBA, but how good you are at them, you get you get nothing from summer league on knowing that. It's an exhibition games for players who either try really hard or are over or super talented to show off. That's sort of the, the two levels you get. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you know, I mean it's it's sort of it's like the test where if you fail it, it's bad, but there's no passing the test. I will you know say I mean? this. I I like Elise. I think he'll be 
he won MVP in Adidas Nations. I did not know that. That's incredibly impressive. Um, so he's like apparently good and compared to players at his age. So I think he will be way better than his draft position, but I don't know how good of an NBA player he'll be. Yeah. You don't know about injuries too. I, right. I, he's older than most guys. I, you just don't know. I, I mean, I think he's older than Miles ahead. Turner, isn't he? Is he? He's 22. I think he's older than Miles Turner. Okay. So Turner turned 21 just this year. So does Sabonis. They both are born in the same year. Miles Turner uh, was no. Born Miles Turner turned twenty-two. Sorry, both of them. Miles Turner. Players. Okay, they're a month apart. Elise is twenty-eight days younger than Miles Turner, so that's how old Elise is. <laughs> yeah, and but I mean, like, I mean, a, a common comparison which I don't like is to Draymond Green, who was yeah. also played four years of college <laughs> or was twenty-two. Like it was twenty-two when he came in the league too. So I mean, like, I don't know if that age matters. I think it it helps. He's probably more developed than most of the young players. So he looks bigger out there on the court, especially in summer league, but. You know, we'll just see. I mean, he has to see how he develops. You know, how much playing time he gets, how much time he spends in the G League. You just don't. You don't know. He's he's an undersized power forward, so it's you're kind of it's kind of a hard bet. It is. All right. Our next question is not basketball related, but it's fun. Um, it's from Carpool Lane. Is his name on Twitter at Lane K U N C E? I don't know how to pronounce either of those. Uh, it is. If every Pacers player was locked into a solo battle royale scenario against each other, who would win and why? And I don't know, but I'm going to pick Thad Young because he's good at everything and probably, as a result, is good at survival skills. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I want to lean towards Sabonis. I, I would know. have 100% picked Lance if you asked me last year. Well, yeah, no, that, that, that's, a, that's a complete given. Um, <laughs> just because Lance, Lance could do anything. I, I, don't, I want to lean towards Sabonis. I don't know why. I just kind of do. I think he's – I'm thinking of, like, who's got like, – like, the shorter guys – are not going to be as equipped to the bigger guys. So that's a good one because he's got the combination of being like yeah. agile and and big at the same time. That's kind of what you need. I think Turner is a little too thin, kind of. So I don't know. I guess that that's a good choice for that. I guess. I think that is a that's the answer right now. Um, but who knows? Maybe it maybe it'd be Elise. The dude's got the physical tools. Yeah, I mean, who down the bench? I mean, there's not really anything to think of. Uh, the next question is from Keegan Fisher at K Fisher O nine two four. Uh, one serious question, one not. The serious one is, has your opinion on Aaron Holiday changed at all after Summer League? Uh, like all my Ali's answer or from earlier, uh, no, because it's hard to say anything from Summer League. I will say he's really quick with the ball. I did not know he was that fast with the ball, um, but he kind of showed exactly what I thought he would show in Summer League, so no, my opinion of him has not really changed. Yeah, I, I was high on Aaron Holiday, and I'm still high on Aaron Holiday. Um, <laughs> I'm can... slow on Holiday, and I'm still low on Holiday. Yeah, but I think he showed some flashes of that he can really shoot. Uh, he'll be a really good three-point shooter, and it's whether he can get the defense to go with it to ultimately become like a quality, even backup point guard. You got to hope for that shot to be a real thing in the NBA. That's that's his best chance. It's uh, really good. I mean, that thing comes up. That's a fast shot. It's I mean, fast. It's, that is true. It's super fast. Jaron Jackson is scary fast for a guy who's 6'11". Um, yeah. Well, and, and Holiday's got long enough arms where it's not going to get blocked like crazy. Yeah, that being six seven wingspan does help him quite a bit because I am taller than him, and that is not good. Um, part yeah, two, that's not a good time for an NBA player. Part two of this question is: uh, Is a hot dog a sandwich? I don't know. This is a, this is a question that's perplexed. Uh, I say no. Many men smarter than me, and so <laughs> I don't want to answer it. I, I say no. Uh, my distinction for sandwich is the piece of bread. The pieces of bread surrounding the contents of the bread are discontinuous. So a burrito and a hot dog and um, things like that, that is just one piece of bread. It is not a sandwich, but two slices of bread. So, so hence a burger being a sandwich uh, makes it a sandwich. Uh, that's that's very in-depth, and that's a lot more thought than I would give in this question. Um, <laughs> I don't know. A hot dog is a hot dog. That's I agree. Fine. I don't care. I, I, I like both. I like hot dog sandwiches. <laughs> I'll eat them both. Because you, you eat a hot dog kind of at like – I don't know, at a different different way you eat a sandwich, or you eat a hot dog sort of like, I don't know what to put it, like north to south, or so you eat a sandwich like downwards. <laughs> I don't know how to put it. I know what you're you saying. Eat, That's funny. You know what I mean? You eat a hot dog sort of like at a different way than you eat a sandwich. Just because yeah. you don't like bite into the hot dog full, you bite pieces off the hot dog. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Mitchell Nash, Nash, excuse me, sorry, Mitchell, at Mitchell Nash 92 says, can Alize fit in the rotation at the power forward spot? Assuming we think he's shown more than Leaf and the general reluctance to play a double big lineup, like O'Quinn and Sabonis. Um, so I do not think he will play over Leaf uh, ever this year. 
Um, unless Leaf is just super bad, which would be awful. But uh, I think he'll probably mostly get garbage time minutes, if I had to guess. Like, I picture he plays about as much as EK did last year in the pros, which is like 30 to 50 minutes. So probably not a ton. Uh, probably most of his time will come in Fort Wayne, but that is just a guess. Yeah, barring some major injury, he's not going to play very much. I, I agree. Uh, I, I think uh, Leaf would have to retire for Alize to play more than him this year. I don't think there's a way that that, that happens. They're going to try to force the heck out of Leaf developing, uh, if you ask me. So I, I do not think he fits in the rotation this year. Myself. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, I'm surprised they honestly didn't give him a, a, a two-way deal, I guess. Not super surprising, but I thought he'd get a two-way deal. So they always they, like, they love their second rounders, though. Pacers do. Yeah, Every, I wonder if that's if that's almost a sense of like you have to prove to your owner that you made a good pick. <laughs> Don't want to give you up on I mean? that. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, like oh yeah, we we just drafted this guy, but we're not we wasted a pick, and we're just going to put him in the G League for half or for a two way deal, not give him a real contract kind of thing. I don't know if you how you sell that to your owner. Speaking of EK, our next question is about him from Pacers All Day, which is at Nick Stidham thirty one, who was way ahead on the Alize Johnson curve and was telling me all the draft process he's going to be good. So uh, I'm starting to believe in this dude. He said, is EK going to come out uh, with a jumper and give us a four, or is he just going to be a five and always a five? Uh, I don't think he'll ever have a jumper. I don't think that's something in his repertoire. You know, his his pre-draft profile was basically this dude's a freak athlete who could become, you know, the best defensive center on your team one day. Uh, and I think that's what he's looking like he's going to lean towards. I don't think I've ever seen him shoot a jumper when I've been at practice or anything. So I do not think he will have a jump. No. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know how he's going to translate right on the NBA. He's been so hurt, and we haven't really seen him that much. I just – I'm pretty low on him right now. I'm not sure he's on the roster in a year from now. Even there are this year. I, think might, I would like him to learn before jump shooting. Yeah, I mean, I, I what are the chances you think he gets cut like mid-season or before the season in sense for an extra roster spot? I doubt it. Okay. I really doubt it. They have a roster spot now. I, I just doubt it. It would take some injuries, and they need to sign someone for them to cut them, I think. Okay, so my, my thought was they'd bring in a guy, sign him to the 15th spot, and then EK would be the first one out if it needed to be. May, yeah, I think I think after the full guarantee day for the season, I bet he's the first guy to go. Yeah, I, I he just has been too hurt, and I, I mean – for me to really have any like strong opinion about him right now, I haven't really seen enough him play in the NBA. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be hard. He's it's, he had some good G League performances. He averaged like two blocks a game in under thirty minutes. Like he's pretty good at protecting the paint, but he's got to learn a lot of offense and passing and stuff first. The Caps have a kind of a glut of centers. It feels like I mean they got yeah, two. There's no route centers. There's no route for him to play. He only played thirty minutes last year. So yeah, I mean the only route he plays is if one of the two gets traded. Yep, I agree. Uh, James at IP basketball says what has to happen next season for the year to be considered a success? Uh, I think they make it to the conference semifinals or conference finals. Would be nice. Yeah. I think a top four seed in a playoff series win. Yep. I'm with you there. Qu- crawl, walk, run in order. They crawled last year. They almost won a playoff series this year. They're walking. They're going to win a playoff series, possibly two. Then after 2019 free agency, hopefully they're running. So next summer, ask me that again. And I will say, Exactly what I just said. <laughs> yeah, my the one disappointing thing is that since they went to seven this year, there's no way to improve in the first round. So they've gotten right, swept in the first this round. Year. Yeah. If they got swept this year, it'd be like, oh well, if they're in a seven game series competitive against a good team, that's good enough. But now it's not because you took LeBron in seven games last year. So yeah. you got you got you to win a first round series. They have done yeah. in what five years now. So I thought I think they can do it though. I think they really can. So. Yeah, they got they can get home court and even get a, they get top three seed. I think for sure they can win first series. They're the four. I don't know. We'll see. So this question might have a longer answer, and we might have to cut down some of the options. But it is from Jay Jones at Infinity Zero Thirty One. He says, "What does every player under twenty five have to do this season for you to be happy with their development?" Uh, I propose we limit this to Turner, Sabonis, Holiday, and uh, TJ Leaf. I was going to say, let's just cut Leaf and Elise out with one comment. Just say, learn this season, sit in the bench, learn from the guys, and get stronger, right? TJ Leaf needs to prove that that he can be a net neutral at his peak. Because <laughs> if he can't even be a peak net neutral this year, he's never going to make it. Um, I don't, I, yeah, he has a lot to learn. I agree with you. Uh, that's a good answer for those two guys. Yeah, Leaf stronger more consistency i guess or some kind of like 
doesn't feel like he's behind the play all the time. I agree. Something where he looks like a real NBA player for maybe five solid minutes in a game. Um, one for me, for Aaron Holiday, I don't think he'll play a ton, um, but it's showing like Leaf did last year. You know, Leaf showed he can hit the three, even though he can't do much else yet. That's at least somewhat encouraging. You know, same for Holiday for me. Um, if he can shoot the three, he'll have some sort of future. So that, that, that would be what I would like to see from him. Yeah, Holiday, just sit back and learn from the two pretty veteran point guards in front of you. Yeah, sit next to Corey Joseph at practice every day and learn how to play D like him. <laughs> yeah, learn learn how to read the four at Carlson. Just just get get reps in. He'll probably spend a lot of time practicing with like Old Depot and let Old Depot just burn you and learn how to you know stuff like that. Just just get a lot of experience in because this is the kind of a, a red shirt year for him because there's no they've got two again starting caliber point guards on the roster who can kind of help. He won't need to like play any backup minutes. Occasionally, if somebody's hurt, he might have to play. But maybe even not that much because they can probably stagger it somewhere with Evans too. So just just learn and then be ready in year two to come out and show something. I agree. Um, for Turner and Sabonis. <laughs> All right, so this is the big ones. Um, I think the first thing I'll say is is since I said their names together is uh, can they play together is a big part of their development this year. Yeah, so I'm writing a piece for Nick Cornrows on the lineup, a Sabonis Turner lineup part of the lineup series I've been doing. Um, but I think for both of them, one thing we can start here is they both, either one of them or both of them need to learn how to defend in space on the yep, perimeter. Absolutely. They got torched in the playoffs, both guys on the playoffs. The LeBron James switching on to, every time LeBron looked for a switch on either Sabonis or on Turner, I will give Sabonis some credit that he did show flashes where he could actually guard LeBron straight up, at least prevent him from getting in the lane, forcing LeBron to jump shots. I mean, LeBron's LeBron, and LeBron hit some incredible jump shots the entire series. But Turner sometimes just, cannot handle perimeter players. I mean, he just doesn't get close enough. He kind of looks shaky out there. And especially if he gets so far from the rim, he's really just not good on defense then because his whole thing is being around the rim, forcing guys to make bad shots around the rim and blocking shots. I would specifically say I want Sabonis to be the guy defending on the perimeter of the two just because Turner's rim protection is so good already that you'd like to to continue to be have that asset and be able to use it at all times. Um so Sabonis, yes, any semblance of defending in space, even if it's not all the way to the three-point line this year, like if it's just out to the mid-range, uh, that's enough for me to be happy that he could get there eventually. Um, so I'm with you on that. I think defending in space is a crucial skill for both, but particularly Sabonis in my eyes. Yeah, and then I think on the offensive end, um, it's pretty Turnovers, obvious, right? How's for Sabonis are my other two things. Well, what were they? Sorry. Well, less, less turnovers, less fouls. I mean, he – threw it away a lot. Uh, he was the highest foul rate on the team. Uh, and that's just young center stuff. So I think it'll come around, but we'll see. Yeah. I think with Turner, it's also post play and Sabonis is three point shot. Yeah. Yes. Well, Sabonis, yeah. Sabonis didn't take a lot of threes last year, which I liked, well, but I agree with the, that's the point. Turner. It's also not just scoring in the post, but also creating out of the post because you know, that's what made Sabonis like as playable as him at times is that he could create through the post, which Turner had none of. Yeah. I mean, there was one playoff game where his bonus probably got torched on D a bunch, but he was playable because of being able to pass out of the post and because he literally could, was just scoring everything in the post. I mean, he went six for eight. He was hitting floaters. Like, I mean, he hit every shot. I felt like was inside seven feet, especially on the oldie with double team. So that's where he sort of became playable in a sense because he's not a great defender, but he was been so good on the opposite end of times that it's like you have to leave him in the game because he doesn't miss. Yep, so, I agree. Plus, I think if they play together, Sabonis probably plays center on the offensive end. And power forward on D. Yeah, that's probably how it works. I'm with you. Uh, yeah, so there are some key things for development there, but I don't. I think a lot of them already have enough, or with Sabonis and Turner, they both have enough discernible skills that if I just see improvement on what they can already do, I'll be happy enough. Yeah, I just wonder how to stagger them. Cause, I, mean, I know. Both, I'm glad both, job. Yeah, both can be starting centers in the league. And Turner has enough of a three-point shot where you could just throw him in the corner and make him just a three-point shooter for a little while. Um, I don't know how much he wants to do that, and I, it, it's just kind of a tough situation to handle. But ultimately, I think it's you have to pick one and trade the other one for a perimeter player. Eventually, maybe, but not yet. But if you develop both into really quality centers, which you could do this year, it they just increase their, their trade value, basically. Yep. All right, next question. Oh, EK was in under-25 player, and he's in the next question. Uh, he's proving he can play offense in the NBA. Um, Caleb Hill at Pacer Fan three three four says, "Is EK actually worth guaranteeing on the roster? Haven't seen him play whatsoever, and he just missed second summer league because of injury. Uh, we already kind of touched on it. I guess yep. his his potential is kind of high enough to keep around. I don't think his NBA career will last much longer. 
Yeah, we 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 touched on this already. That's, I already said it. Maybe he might. I think he might be a guy who's cut midseason if they need a roster spot. This is a fun one. I like that it's this next question is specific to a a, a number. Uh, Tanner Parsons at T Par Thirty says, "How many wins do you think the Pacers added this offseason? So this is. I saw this question. And I've been thinking on it, and honestly, I think they added zero. Yeah, I'm pretty close to that too. My number is two. Um, but I don't. I don't think the answer is as high as people think either. Yeah, I, I had zero to two range because if you look at the expected win loss, they were probably about forty five, and they got to forty eight. They really right in the clutch, which is you can be consistent at that. But you know, a lot. Of, it, it seems like a lot of statistical research says it's pretty random from year to year. Yeah, and they really just exceeded expectations in a lot of games. I mean, there were a lot of games where they should have lost and they won. Um, I, you know, I, I would not say they were like completely injury free because Oladipo missed seven games, Carlson eleven, Turner eleven, but they didn't seem to have like this debilitating injury except for the five game stretch that Oladipo missed, where they were just terrible. But what they did is they got better on the margins where forty eight should be expected. Where like last year forty eight was like way above it. Now forty eight is like the expected number because they got better on their bench. They just the team is deeper and they should be able to kind of sustain some minor injuries again to a better rate because they don't have Steve's on the team. I agree. I, I say 50 wins. If they if they have the same level of health as last year, if you could guarantee me that, I'd say like 54. Um, but I think 50 to 48 range is, is reasonable. So 0 to 2 is what, what I have settled on as well. Yeah, and I, I think 40 to 50 again is a top 3, 4 seed probably. Yep. Same range. I mean, it it will also come down to how close the playoff race is in the last week or two when they kind of start resting and whatnot. I mean, because they – they could have got to 49, right? They should have got to 49. They did the rest of that last game. Like, yeah, that Hornets game when GR3 started, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it just it just depends. I mean, I think 50 is about the number for the two or the three seed, maybe the two. I don't – it depends how Boston kind of comes out in Philadelphia. Oh, no, no, no. That's not top two. No chance. 50? But I don't know. Well, I mean – Boston are going to win 50, over 55. Yeah, but what if, you know, Embiid misses 25 games? I mean, then they're back to 50. He missed 25 games his last year. Didn't he play 66 last year? No, I don't know. I thought it was like – I thought he played like 61. I thought he played 66. 63. Yeah. All right, 19. Okay, we split, we split the difference <laughs> right down the middle. <laughs> he was 19 and they won 50. Like, I think they can uh, win 55 either way. I guess. Maybe you're right. And Boston, too. I think uh, the three to four range is going to be where we're talking, though. Okay. Um, I think – because you don't know how Toronto comes out too. Toronto could come out firing again. But the two best players not. are just aging, you know. Like if their their youth could totally prop them up and make them really good again. But you know, if, if Demar or Kyle Lowry take a step back, then they're in a lot of trouble. Yeah, but what if Demar flip for Kawhi? Yeah, then they immediately become the favorite in the East to me. <laughs> really over the over the Celtics then? Oh, Kawhi's that good, dude. Yeah. I, I again injury. Do we do we know if Kawhi is really like? I know, I know. We don't. No, we that's don't. The thing. There's, there's all these little like variables. We talked about in the previous question. There's always such these little variables throughout the Eastern Conference where the Pacers have the least amount of variables because their best player has an injury history, and really it doesn't. Miles Turner just bonus develop. That's like their yeah. only variable. Yeah, that was a good. And question. if they don't, they're the same team as last year with with the deeper roster. The second part of that question was: Is Miles an MIP candidate? Uh, see earlier answer for that answer. Yes. Yes. Ah, my next pick. So a little background for you guys. I always screenshot the questions after I like them on Twitter, just so I answer all of them. I'm flipping through my screenshots. And my next one is a screenshot of uh, Alizé's Instagram of him signing a contract. That nice. snuck, into, snuck into the photo reel. Uh, Ryan at Colts fan Ryan says, what is one interesting thing about you that no one on the Internet knows? Also rank everyone from this list from least likely to most likely to come to Indiana next offseason. I, I will read about the free agents after Adam. You tell everyone something they don't know about you. Um, I'm a sucker for the environment. I like writing about Ooh. that kind of shit. As you probably can tell now if you follow me on Twitter, i kind of been writing about some environment stuff for uh, a paper down here in Naples, but I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. I like I like hard-hitting. I like, I like the blogging and stuff like that, but I really like doing journalism and doing stuff that I feel like it's harder to find stuff for. That's a good answer. Give me one of yours. Uh, I did motocross for ten, motocross racing for ten years growing up. I'm nice. still into motocross racing. That's random niche sport that not a lot of people follow. Yeah, can't say I'm in that one. Can't yeah, say. Can't say I could even kind of tease you on it because I don't really know anything about it. All right. Um. So his the the sorry his, uh the screenshot of the tweet he sent me with the following players. Uh, it is which one of these guys. Uh, it says rank everyone on this list from least likely to most likely to come to Indiana. We're not going to rank them all. Uh, I'm so, going to pick. 
Just pick the most likely and least likely from this list to come okay. to Indiana next year. Do you have it? So, do, I need, do I need to read it? Yes. No, I, I have it. So let's do this. Let's just limit the guys we know aren't coming. Let's just be honest. Okay. Yes. Um, let me Alex pull it up real quick. Be here. Porzingis will not be here. Done. Um, Ky- Kyrie won't be here. Kawhi won't be here. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I really um, doubt Horford would come because of center position. Yes. So the thing with Horford would only be is if the Celtics decide to go after Anthony Davis and the Pacers make some flip. Yeah. Of like, then they're, they're, that's, but that's probably out of the possibility too. And Clay Thompson's not coming here. So the other four on the list, oh, you just said Clay. The other four are Durant, Jimmy Butler, Clay Thompson, and Kemba. Uh, highly doubt Durant's leaving. Uh, yep. Like, very, 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 very small percent chance. Uh, also, highly doubt Clay's leaving. Very, very, very small percent chance. So Jimmy Butler and Kemba are probably the two I'd say are the highest percent chances, with Kemba being the highest percent. So Kemba says he's not leaving the Hornets. Yeah. And of course, the the day that I say that is the day he just said he's not leaving. Yeah, if you haven't read it, uh, there's an athletic piece by Mike Scotto. Uh, Kemba's from New York, so they he did an interview about New York, and Kemba said he don't, he doesn't think he'll ever end up there. He'll stay with the Hornets. So who knows? Yeah. So we'll talk about Jimmy Butler for a minute. Yeah, uh, Jimmy Butler. The reason that this has gained a lot of traction, besides that he's amazing, uh, is that he he's kind of an interesting guy. He's just like a unique caricature of an NBA player, and that and that uniqueness, you know makes everybody think that there's a chance he'd go to a small market team for the money. Um, and I think that that's certainly possible because of the way he is. Yeah. He seems not very happy in Minnesota. I agree. Or at least, at least he is. And it has attitude everywhere he is, but he seems like it's like these young guys. It doesn't seem like Andrew Wiggins. It seems like he wants to play with a team. That's like kind of more ready to win a championship. Now um, it would make sense. when it's come to the East where everybody's much, the competition is much lower where he can make a finals pretty easily or have a better chance where he'd be probably the best or second best player in the, in the conference if he came over. Um, but what I really wanted to ask you was, what do you think it would take to trade for Jimmy now and then for Butler in February? Oh. Because the idea, right, is if Butler's mad, then they need to trade him because they cannot How afford to lose Butler and, Wigg- and have Wiggins' contract and just be basically talented and nothing else. You know, it depends where Minnesota is in the Western Conference standings in February. Uh, and who knows how tight the West is going to be this year. But, you know, they were really good when he was healthy last year. Uh, they probably would have been closer to the five or four seed if, if he didn't miss 20 games. Yeah, but it was a cluster last year. I mean, they, every what was every team from eight to three? They were two games, games out of the three seed, and Jimmy Butler missed 20 games. Like, I don't think it's crazy. Yeah, but, but remember, we looked at the West, and every team had a major injury basically within the three to eight range. Every team had some guy missed yeah. 20 games. They were so close. It all came down to like who won what game and what, like it was a crapshoot basically. Yeah. That last, that seed. Yeah. So I don't know. You can say it could have been the four seed, but also they easily could have been eight seed. Whether it was healthy or not. I don't know who the more, the a more important injury in the West was outside of Jimmy Butler than Kawhi. Um, I think Gobert. he's go bear. Yeah. That's true. They're equal in impact. I'm with you there. Yeah. But there there's, and then Roberson got hurt. There's another, t- I mean, the, I've only won one more game than them, you know, and Dick Cousins got hurt. I mean, there, there's five guys in the five teams ahead of them that all got hurt. Hell's <laughs> so better without Cousins. I, I know, but it's still an important <laughs> guy in the regular season because it helps you with depth um, wise. Davis gets hurt. It all, it, the West was a cluster last year. I don't think there's a chance they trade for him just because they only did one year ago and they'd like to keep him because they missed the playoffs for 12 or 13 seasons in a row. They'd like to give their fans some good team era. So, one, I think they could, they could be a team that could miss the playoffs. I mean, there's. I don't. Right. The Lakers jump up. That bumps. Lakers and Denver jump up. That pushes two teams out. Theoretically, yep. I don't know if Denver's better than Minnesota, but I think they could be in that range where they could a bad stretch, whatever. They end up too far out to really have a chance. And I think bringing in Butler before free agency gives you two bonuses. One, you can recruit him for an entire three months, which is actually a advantage, apparently, with Paul George. And you give him his bird rights free agency, which is going to be huge for him because he seemed pissed they didn't get the Supermax from Chicago. He seems generally mad about that. Yeah, that's for, that's true for sure. Uh, yeah, exactly. The Paul George thing, I think, is going to scare a lot of teams into trading for guys now, which is super interesting. Uh, Butler turns 30 uh, next season. or He turns 29 this coming season. So offering him a five-year Supermax will be scary. But uh, I think the only chance you have to trade for him would be in February if Minnie's for sure out of it. Um, but I don't see that happening. And But the only reason I see it, ha- it could happen is because the Patriots have enough assets where they could give them something. Do? They have enough, enough little like player assets where you could like convince yourself that okay, we get like two starters out of this plus a first round pick, per se. Yeah, it'd take a lot to get Jimmy Butler. <laughs> but you you say that now, but I'm not sure it's going to take that lot. I mean, a guy who's going to be in three months is not going to take a ton, a ton. I mean, it might take. I mean, yeah, if somebody does a top ten pick out there, but I'm not sure people are going to do that for Jimmy Butler. I mean, we're seeing the Kawhi market is like shriveled. 
I'm thinking it takes. Oh well, yeah, he might never play again. He could be awful. Um, I'm thinking it would take like Boyan, DC, Sabonis, and a first in February. But that's not that, that not that much to get Jimmy Butler. If you really, if Turner makes his jump, whatever, then it's like you're basically baking on a core of Oladipo, Butler, and Turner. And that might win the Eastern Conference. That's that's three. That's two of your best five assets and two starters. That's a lot. So you so you you said Boyan, DC, and Sabonis, and Plus a first. Okay, but the first round pick is probably going to be in the twenties. Um, Maybe. So you're not getting because you look at it as you're giving up DC, but you have Kojo to replace him. You're giving up Bojan, but you have McDermott to, re- to replace him. You have Jimmy Butler to replace him. Jimmy Butler to replace him, sorry. <laughs> and you look at it that you have to flip one of Sabonis Turner for something anyways, and this is a way to get that. I mean, then your your cap pace gets ridiculous and you're paying 30, 25, 25 for Turner, whatever it is. But it seems like that's not that much if you think you can re-sign Butler. And that kind of makes you have this core. It's like fantastic. I, th- I think you do that trade if it's there, but I, it's it's a lot of the core, man. It's a lot of what they have. Yeah, but they're probably going to replace DC at the end of the next season anyway. He's going to be 31. You're going to replace Bojan probably anyways. I mean, well, for sure. They'll have to. Well, I mean, even if they don't trade, like, even if this trade doesn't happen, they're probably going to do that stuff. I mean, because they might go through free agency anyways. So right. you're just preempting the three months that you're going to have to get rid of these guys anyways. I agree with and that. Gives you a guy who's. Top fifteen in the league, yeah, one of the best two-way players. I mean, a leader, all that stuff. It'd be nice to have him. I think he is uh, one of the top two most likely on that list to come. Uh, or if the Warriors don't win the title, one of those two guys, but they're going to win the championship. So who cares about them? Yeah, I don't know if any of these guys besides Butler coming for eighty-two. Yeah. Uh, uh, all right, we got four more. Uh, next one is fun uh, from Jolly Drew. I think his name's just Drew! Exclamation point. Uh, but he always a big fan of the pod. Appreciate it. Uh, he said, Pritch has tragically fallen into a coma. Donnie Walsh calls you up and says, me and Adam are now the co-interim GMs of the Indiana Pacers. What is our first order of business? Uh, what is the long-term solution at power forward, free agency, and drafts? Do you develop within, et cetera? Go. So what is your long-term solution at power forward, Adam? Um, I think there's a couple options. So it's Sabonis. Mm-hmm. It's... Resign that young for uh-huh. more years. That's, my lo- that's kind of a patchwork option. Um, or, well, then there's TJ Leaf, which I don't think is the option, but oh. there's Leaf. Um, but ultimately, I think it's going after a guy because you need a power forward who's going to be on the same talent who can two or three years be really de- at least decent and competitive, sim- the same way they did with David West a few a few years ago, um, that kind of player. And I think the guy that might go after is Aaron Gordon. I like that in a couple of years. I would throw a lot of money to have Chris Middleton be a stretch four for them next year. But I don't know. I don't think Middleton, Middleton's available. He's going to resign. I mean, like, why would Milwaukee want to get rid of him? They wouldn't. But, you know, maybe he doesn't want to be there anymore. Who knows? Yeah, because I don't know. I Maybe. Maybe. I think my the, plan would be to throw a lot of money at Chris Middleton. I think my move would be to go after Aaron Gordon or Kevin Love in some way. Those are the two. Uh, Kevin, Kevin Love, Love is also a good option. Yeah, he's kind of a center too, but he can play four. I mean, I mean, him and Turner together, you can. It's a seamless four or five. Yes, that would be awesome. Kevin Love could also play five, which is good. Yeah, um, no, trying to pull that, up that, That's the option, right? I mean, who else? Is, I mean, it's like Tobias Harris next summer uh, would be fun and good. He's just a good player. I think you're better off signing rethink Thad than signing Tobias. Oh, I think Tobias Harris is a lot better than Thad. Um, not, not defensively, though. Eh, no, <laughs> but it's close. Uh, da, 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 da. There's not a ton of great options next summer, sadly. Markeith Morris could be a cheap, good filler guy, but then he'd still be stuck looking in the future. Uh, same with Nikola Miritich and Jermichael Green. So I think trading or getting Middleton or something is your options, basically. It's tough. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't see Milton, Milton as an option, and so that's why I think Aaron Gordon just might be there because I think his, the way they did his contract, it's kind of prime for trading in two seasons. Uh, they did their contract so they could have more cap space throughout the life of the deal. It's also prime to be traded if if they determine Bahama and Isaac can play together and they don't need him because it makes trade your best player. Well, what I'm saying is Bahama and Isaac turn into their best two players, and they saw that we don't need uh-huh. Gordon anymore. Ah, the hypothetical scenario where Aaron Gordon is worse than Jonathan Isaac, then yes, they would probably trade him. I mean, and his value would be worse. <laughs> well, no. What if you just decide Isaac and 
Bahamut are going to be our future. We get a decent offer. I could get, I don't know. You're Pacers have it. And you're worse than a second year power forward. Yeah, you are not worth a lot. <laughs> what if Isaac becomes really, really good? I don't know. Yeah, I love Johnny Isaac, uh, but I don't think that 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 timeline would ever line up. I mean, I'm thinking, I guess, in two seasons from now. Ah, that's certainly possible. So I'm thinking like 2020, 2021. They'd have a ton of money then. No more Biombo. They they're free. Or no, they traded Biombo. That's crazy, by the way. Uh, no more Mozgov. No, but they would just trade him because they don't need another power forward. Maybe. Or they Maybe. don't need a they don't need a power forward who's off the bench making twenty one million dollars a year. They, or at that point, it's eighteen. Yeah, that's true. Maybe. And you could you could Patrick with Thad for one extra year. Yeah. You bring Thad back on a one year deal, That'd and then good. it could work. Just saying. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty low on Aaron Gordon, and that's a lot of money for Aaron Gordon. So. I'm not low on him. I think he would fit really well at Joel Depot. Yeah, I, a lot of people do. I don't get it. Um, let's move on. That's Athletic a hard freaks. answer. That's a hard answer. You could also pray you hit on a draft pick. Uh, that's certainly an option. Yeah. Uh, my actual first answer is try Sabonis, see if it works. Yeah, no, I, that's that's the move, the Sabonis. If most can play a power forward, they've got this core set. Yes. Uh, Dom hit him up, whose name is currently Wom, but it just changed from Dom. Uh, do you think McMillan will give Holiday and or Alize good minutes? Uh, no, I do not. <laughs> nope. We, are, we already answered that. I think they combined for probably 400 to 500 minutes this year, and Holiday has about 350 of those. Yeah, uh, I'll right. surprise you with that last question. So we have two more. Uh, I feel like we're going to get some submissions after we record. I feel bad about that. Uh, I will respond to you if that is the case on Twitter. Yeah, uh, same. This one is from Shiki31 at Reed Shikuma. says, can Kylo Quinn play the four spot? If so, would he be a good fit with Turner or Domas in the lineup? Uh, I think he can play the four because he can pass a little bit. Um, but I think he'd be a horrible fit with Domas and an okay fit with Turner. Yeah, I mean, O'Quinn and Domas is that double plot alignment lineup that Kaylin Cooper nicknamed. That's just gross. I'm terrified of it. I mean, maybe Spons can shoot the three. Maybe Spons comes like this, like thirty-five percent three-point shooter, yeah, and it's fine. Then, then it works. Yeah, well, Quinn can't shoot at all. So the 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 fear for those of you that haven't read Kaylin's thing or just can't picture this is like Sabonis' best skills are pick and roll, right? So him diving towards the basket is where he's the best. So if you have Kylo Quinn just hanging out with a defender down there, that ruins that entire asset of Sabonis' skill, and it might be his best one. So that would be a disaster. Say, so, O'Quinn's going to sit on the bench and get a lot of practice reps and going to spend a lot of time hoping nobody gets hurt. Yes, he is. That's his job. His He's job is in, very good at it. <laughs> I really hope. I mean, he might get some some in some weird lineups where like the other team is playing kind of two bigs too. He might play just off the bench if they. But that's it. I mean, he's not going to. They're not going to be like we're going to intentionally play O'Quinn's bones together. Hopefully not. Yeah. So, Adam, our last question is from a, a surprise guest. Do you know who it is? It's from Marina, right? It's from Marina. Did she tell you what they are? No, but I'm sure there's like nine of them, and I'm sure they're... Uh, uh, she says she asks these, and you should have answers. Okay. Uh, one, if you could coach, slash whatever your basketball passions are, any team besides the Pacers, who would it be and why? Um, it would, I, I can't give a school, but it would be like some like mid-major D1 Ooh. school. Because like, would... forget the real opportunity to like to... Because now with college basketball, I mean, the guys are all one. The top schools are all one and done, and that's not like a bad thing because they honestly should be able to go in there out of high school because they honestly should. But with these mid majors, you can like kind of like build the program and really get time to coach and develop player versus like one and done. You're sort of bringing guys to hope that you can hit the big yeah. season and move on kind of thing. That'd be cool. That'd be fun. Like, I, 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 like where Butler cool was like, like five years ago. I think it'd be cool to be one of the worst teams in a big conference where guys don't go to be one and done, like Minnesota. You know, you're or still like, in school, but you don't get the stars that leave in one year. Or what about like Northwestern? Yes, yes, Northwestern. Or like maybe you go to a school that's been so plagued, just like they were like I'm trying to think of a good school with like historically great and then just complete. Like there's a school. Um, where oh, did uh, SMU? No, SMU's UNLV. football. I'm thinking. Um, didn't Russell play at like University of San Francisco or something like that? I don't know where he went. I think he Bill Russell played there. I'm trying to remember. But they were like a or like you'd be at a school like on another option to be at a school that's on like a beach to like see Santa Barbara. <laughs> like close, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, my answer is the Wizards because I liked the Wizards as a kid. Uh, that's fair. Also, I was ready. Went to University of San Francisco. Very so, nice. I did not know that. That's a cool tidbit. It's probably from a Bill Simmons podcast. I learned it because he talks about Russell all the goddamn time. <laughs> um, oh, there's more questions. There's. I know. I would say. I would say the Wizards are kind of a good choice if you want bad locker room and stuff. Let's go, Talented players. I like uh, I like I like fun and drama. Uh, two, 
Who is your favorite non-all-star or underrated player of all time? Non-all-star underrated player? Oh, uh, I... You go first. You go first. Ooh, mine is Anton Jameson. Uh, he was my first ever favorite player, actually. Uh, he was on the Wizards. Uh, he's a two-time all-star, so that might be unfair. Uh, because yeah, it's not like he's like a perennial all-star. I'll, I'll give you the pass. He was really good a couple years in Washington, 20 points a game. But, like, he's a 20,000-point career scorer. He was pretty dang good. Um, but I, right, right when I got into basketball, I was like NBA Live 2004 – uh, and he was, you know, that was his, that was one of his all-star years on the Wizards. He had Gilbert Arenas and Brendan Haywood on that team. They were fun. Uh, I just really liked uh, Anton Jameson, so I pick him. All right, so this is going to go to the Pacer fans out there who actually, this is the proof that I'm a real, I've been a Pacer fan for a long time. Um, Fred Jones. Ah, that's a good one. Um, so he was key part of that team that basically – in 0405, when everybody got suspended because our test went in the stands, he was like a key part of that team being on the bench. And he was just like, I remember for a guy who I think he was like maybe six feet tall, maybe he was under. So he looks at a six four, but he definitely is not that tall. No. But he, I remember one time going to a game in that range and he got a jump ball against some six ten guy and he beat him for the jump ball. I'm thinking, I like this guy could jump out of the gym, it seemed like at times. Yeah. He was just like just a really good athlete for a guy who was so small. And he played, he played for the team for a couple of years. I think he had a pretty good playoff run for them in 05 06 or 04 05 when they played the nets that year um might have like i had a 40 point game even in the playoffs one time but he was sort of like an underrated guy for the pacers who was just kind of good for a little while uh if i had to pick a pacers answer i'm picking brandon rush why his college career no that second season when he uh when he started a bunch and shot absurdly good from three and he was like actually helpful for the offense because he could shoot so well I like. I might. Have, I think I just blanked out those years. <laughs> 2008, <laughs> 2011 was uh pretty gross. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Brandon yeah, Rush was cool, man. I mean, I remember Danny Granger, but besides that, those teams were yuck. Uh, yeah. Um. So another another throwback guy I just talked about, uh, Anthony Johnson. You know that was. I don't know that. Guy, Pacer player who scored forty points in a playoff game one time. That's cool. I remember going to that game. That's another guy. I couldn't. I couldn't remember if Fred Jones or Anthony Johnson were the ones who scored. A ton of points that playoff game. You know why Brandon yeah. Rush was so important? Because he stretched the floor at a time when Troy Murphy was a four. Oh, God. I'm going to look at Brandon's <laughs> stats real quick. I, I'm like, I and remember being on Watson the team. was the starting point guard. So Rush was brought in as part of like the Roy Hibbert trade, right? Back in the day? I think he was. No, they were on the team at the same time together. No, no, not when Roy Hibbert was traded. Oh, was yes. He traded Roy yes. Hibbert on draft night, and he was one of the players involved in it. Yes. That's what I meant. Sorry. Um, so his so one year he played all eight two games for the Pacers and averaged about nine points. What you're talking about the 9 10 team. Yeah, I mean, he could shoot really good. That team starting lineup was either t- either TJ Ford or Earl Watson, and then Danny Granger, Brandon Rush, Troy Murphy, Roy Hibbert. Hilarious. So this is crazy. From 09 to 2012, over those three seasons, Rush shot 41, 42, and 45 percent from three on three and a half. Told you, dude. Underrated Pacers, Brandon Rush. I mean, what? I mean, then he just kind of fell out. One trick pony. <laughs> Complete one-trick pony, but that's who he is. Damn yeah, but I mean, now – He won a championship in Golden State. Deserves it. I'm saying nowadays if he put up those stats in a four-year run, he would have got the Doug McDermott contract, if not more. <laughs> I mean, put it 45% from three, you get you guaranteed money in this league. At yeah. three point How many ridiculous. attempts is that on that season? So that's season he shot 45, 3.4 a game. 219 threes. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. That's not bad. funny. That's a good answer. Um – there's a final question to this, but I closed my phone on accident. Oh, if you could have any co-host in the whole world for a podcast, who would it be? Not a guest, a permanent co-host. Tony. I, wow. Besides me. Oh, uh, I, I don't know. I don't. I have an answer, and I think we, I think we share an answer here, dude. Okay, say it. Uh, Ryan Rosillo, so we can have the the God voice on the other line. Oh, you mean like? Oh, okay, if we're going that, I was thinking God you actually could get. Oh no, I, I'm talking to anybody. <laughs> Oh yeah, Ryan Rosillo. He's the best. He's the, the the funniest NBA guy who's like the most non-serious but serious about NBA like stuff talk. Oh, I would no. It'd be so awkward to pick a realistic one. No, we're not going to do that. No, I know. <laughs> um, I, I do want to say that that podcast you did with uh, Derek was pretty good. Yeah, Derek was great. And someone tweeted at me and said, "I hope he's a regular on the show this year." So me and you will have to talk about that on our own at some point. Well, if he wants to be on a few times or what, I, I don't get in way. I don't get. Getting away of content, we always. I like to content. support the independent blog. Good for him, man. Yeah. Also, we could use plenty. I mean, content is always good. There's nothing wrong with having too much content. Oh my God, we're gonna be uh, dry. Uh, 
I get that is the end of the questions. Thank you all for submitting them. Um, and we're going to talk about this again later in the week, but be prepared for one episode a week starting next week. Yeah, I think that's what we're going to do. We'll cut back. Like I said, this time of year is uh, getting hard. <laughs> they don't, what you said, that first prison game is in October? Uh, I just thought, yeah, they don't play basketball for two and a half months. Uh, but I decided it was time to cut down to one episode a day when Exhibit 10 guys are getting signed. <laughs> Yeah, when when the biggest Pacer news of like the past week is that Elijah Stewart signed signed a deal. Yeah, exactly. And like when you're doing one episode a week, that's really huge because it's something for us to talk about. So yeah, it's 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 come to that time for us. Yeah, I think we've got some good ideas. Um, We do like rotations. Uh, McMillan might sign a contract extension at some point this summer, or so much that to talk about. And I don't know. We'll come up with some some other ideas. Hopefully, we'll it won't be too boring. So our last uh, our last two week. Two episode a week. Week will be this week. Uh, we'll have one later this week. We don't know what day yet, but we'll figure it out. Yeah, and we've also know we had noticed there's been a spike in our listeners, so that's awesome. Whoever out there yeah, is new listeners awesome. to the podcast, I know it might be just because we're less per week. So now people are like this time of year, I'm the same way. It comes to like I want M- NBA content because I'm like I don't want to listen to baseball. I get into football reluctantly at some point, but you know this time of year is great for NBA stuff, and so. There's, it's so limited right now because every major NBA person, national-wise at least, takes time off or whatever. So we'll try to keep doing one a week just to keep the content game going. Yeah. Uh, you are writing your rotation stuff still? Yep. I got one coming out maybe tonight or tomorrow. Probably tomorrow. Cool. Uh, I will write about Elijah Stewart, I guess, after this, and then we'll see what happens. All right. Write about, let's see how many words you can get. I, I'm yeah. guessing somewhere between 250 and 300. Uh, I bet it's a little over 300. Because oh, you've already written it. Yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo. All right. That's all I got uh, if you're done, too. That's yeah, all. I'm good. I'm good. You guys all know where Twitter is because you've been sending us questions. So Yeah, questions. really appreciate the questions, guys. Makes makes love these episodes. They're super fun. Yeah, I'd like to know what you guys are thinking out there. So just keep sending questions, and we'll either answer them with their own with our Twitter feeds or watch them on the podcast. Yes. Uh, thank you guys for listening to this episode of Locked on Pacers. I would like to close and say stop comparing Alizé Johnson to Draymond Green. Thank yes. you and have a great rest of your week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time and if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just six dollars limited time only price and participation may vary cannot be combined with any other offer single item at regular price Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.